This is The True Investment. Hi, I'm Jay McLaughlin. I'm Aldo Benavides. And we're going to be talking about those things that they never taught us in school. We're here to tell you that there's no shortcuts in real estate investment. What we're going to talk about is just my experience, something that I've been going through for the last 11 years. Baby boomers. Oh, no. <laughs> Your... You, Compared to, well, let me just say, I think that baby boomers are going to, they, well, they are good investors. Number one, they have the experience. Okay. And if they don't, they have the money to get the experience. <laughs> they, <will> <laughs> they have the money to invest. And they're looking for opportunities whereby they can generate you know, passive income. I don't know, man. I struggle understanding a little bit, obviously. You know, even talking about generations and how they're split up, you know, baby boomers and Gen X and then uh, millennials and all that, um, I have a hard time understanding. And uh, maybe you can help me out here know why. I, I don't know why would they do it. I mean, this this is the, the people that I've known um, that are baby boomers, they're pretty much set. And I don't know, they go to their financial advisors, they have the money, right? But they're already, I mean, they're already thinking of not doing the work. I mean, we've been talking about how there's no shortcuts for these deals. That there, you gotta go and you gotta hustle to get the deal, to rehab it, to do this, to do that. And I don't know if they're willing to put the, the time. I, I don't know. Do you, do you think? Yeah, uh, yeah I've, I mean, I've uh, had calls from baby boomers who are looking for duplexes, triplex, and they're looking for opportunities to, to generate that cash flow. They may not be willing to, to do the extensive work, but maybe they have the money to hire a manager. And I know one may think, well, if it's a baby boomer, how long do they plan on holding on to, <laughs> to this property? I can understand that. But, but you think they would be like probably better for like flips, like something that takes a lot of money? Like maybe someone in California where, oh, I buy a half a million buck, uh, house and then I put half a million and then it's worth $2 million and, and, and they pay a designer, an architect, the project manager, that they, they just do use the money? Or do you actually think that they, they, they care? I mean, I know that they don't care, but that they actually willing to, to do that extra work. I don't know. I think there's... One thing that we do agree, and I think others listening would agree, that one of the biggest challenges for investors is, especially when it comes to a fix and flip, it is finding a contractor. And where your contractor you've had has been with you for some time, right? You have a good relationship with him. So, and, and the key is to keep those contractors working, especially if you have, let's say, over, you know, 100 or so doors. So... I, I, I still think the baby boomers will invest. We look at what took place over this past, what well, last year, individuals in California, you know, looking to take money that they have in stock, diversify that. I mean, it was amazing. Individuals were looking to purchase right. <laughs> anything here in Houston. Uh, New Yorkers moving to Houston, Californians moving to Houston. Yeah, and it's yeah. a very de desirable place. Right. But I think it has become a little 
oversaturated, right. would you say? Um, yeah, no, no. I mean, that definitely. I, the, 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 the biggest challenge I think I've gotten feedback from uh, some people, they have the money and they want to do the, the, the work. Sometimes they struggle in Texas market because it's, it's, it's different. And it's different where someone has been in California or somewhere in other states that um, a, the, the average price is $200 a square foot, $250,000 a square foot. Um, it's, it's almost like they they feel like if there's a property that is worth $100,000, $200,000, it's not worth the time. Like it, it's a little bit, I don't know, I might be looking at it from the, the, uh, the other optic, but... I think they would be great for investment. I mean, normally they they they, they put their resources on it. They, you don't have to teach them too much about financing. They've done deals either on their professional career or other real estate. They they understand the curves. They don't have to think about maybe doing it for 20, 10 years. I mean, their evaluation is a little bit different. I mean, if they're if, if they want to get over it in in five to ten years they can have the plan to get out of it. Um, and it's uh, it's also, I believe, a little entertaining because it's, it, it, they, they don't have to change their career to get to it. Um, I think they could. I don't know. I wish there would be there would be more excitement because right now what happens is that uh, a lot of this competition just spoils the market. I mean, think of what happened with uh, heights or... What is it? Oak Forest. Oak Forest. And uh, even a few years back in Woodlands, right? I mean, do, do all this migration of people from other countries, other states. Um, I mean, people would have houses for 300000 and there were 5000 a square foot. And these people were like, I'll pay you 400000 <laughs> because they were comparing it to the other one. So they are spoiled the market to bring it all the way up. Now, I think the, the banks in, in, in Houston are pretty smart. So they didn't let bubble uh, this overpaid prices for the properties. They said, you want to pay for 100 pay it, but I'm only going to lend you to this. They come so far, it still goes to this point. So that's why there's very few areas. Um, now, don't, don't, don't you think that it would be, I mean, you, you, we talked a little bit in the last episode, like maybe a mentor would be good or something. Imagine the power that it would have taken to get like a baby boomer and a millennial, right? Uh, together, like completely different uh, mindsets. And, and, and it, it is, it, I'm not saying it is even possible. I don't know how would that work, but I, I think it would be, it, it would be pretty good. I think, I think it would be people, uh, young people using the tools, the social media and, and uh, the resources on the websites, the communication. And then you have the old school, Things that work is still like networking, the relationship with banks, the relationship of leveraging their own monies. And there's 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 some of these people that have a, a couple million dollars set there in CDs that they can get mortgages against it. Or even 401ks, right? I mean, that you can get a, a loan against it and then use it. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't be bad, don't you think? No, I think it's a great idea. You take the you mentioned the experience of a baby boomer the finances that that baby boomer has and then you take a millennial who's got the energy and sees an opportunity to uh, establish cash flow for he or her family 
So I, no, I, I think for those listening, I think it's a great idea if you can find someone who is a baby boomer, if you're a millennial or, or vice versa, a baby boomer finding a millennial and, and taking advantage of what each one has to offer. That's right. Because I think it is a good match. But going back to finances, that is the key. That baby boomer, chances are, has the finances or has the credit where it, it's stable, it's established, and the numbers are high enough whereby they can get that loan. Yeah, it might be the challenge is the speed on, on which they make decisions. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, no offense to any baby boomer. It's just, it's just a matter of need. Um, if, if you already have a set, um, set of investments that are producing something, and, and you want to go for the safe thing, and you want to, uh, I mean, it, it's a lot of work. Right. So I, I don't know if they would be able to go through all this um, insanity, ba basically, on how the markets move today. I mean, I, I would remember I was telling, I don't know, the first time I told my dad about me buying homes um, and uh, without seeing them. I mean, he thought I was joking. Remember? I mean, I don't know how it was. 40 years ago, but I mean, there obviously there was no horror or internet at all. So it wasn't like, oh, I bought a property that I've never seen, that that would have been insane, right? Uh, so having to work through all those processes, I mean, that takes a little bit. Now, on the other hand, I can guarantee you there is a bunch of uh, young guys that as, as well, you tell them, well, go and get into the house. And as soon as they open the door, they're like, ah, I don't like it, you know? The color is not right. The sun doesn't doesn't hit the right way. Come on now, you're a little hard. <laughs> I, I I feel that one of the things that will ensure that baby boomers do invest, and you mentioned it, it's social media. Okay, so you've got everyone, be it they're giving a class, free class, read my book, um, I can teach you how to do this. That is driving, that is driving individuals who may have not been thinking about investing. They're like, hey, I, I see this on YouTube. I see it on Instagram. People are talking about it. Maybe I need to look into this. So I think that baby boomers will invest. They will seek those opportunities. Like I said, I've had uh, a number of phone calls from individuals looking for uh, a duplex, triplex, or e even more units uh, to secure that cash flow. And baby boomers are thinking about the generation or the, ge the two generations after them. What can I leave for my children? What can I leave for my grandchildren? Right. I, I had a, an experience where I was telling, I mean, someone, um, like, getting rid of your house. I mean, I was like, I mean, you travel half of the year. You're, you're semi-retired or basically retired. Sell your house. And um, go and travel, rent an apartment somewhere. Even if you want to live comfortably, rent an expensive apartment, right? But what would you want to keep your house? I mean, to me, that's just like I'm right in between, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm too, too millennial or either too Gen X or so. But um, that was kind of like completely out of question. I mean, that was just like something that. I've never understood. Um, I'm, I, I think I like my house and I think I'd like to maybe someday think that my kids and grandkids could come. 
But if they don't, I, and if they don't necessarily go to that house, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's like, hey, uh, let, let, let's meet in the beach somewhere very nice and warm. And then uh, let's go in a mountain, something. And, and, and to me, that, 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 that doesn't make any difference. But I do see that like baby boomers still value that I'm going to leave the house to my kids. And maybe to my grandkids or, oh, I've been living here for 40 years. I have too many memories here. And when I proposed that to that guy, it, it made no sense. I mean, I almost even told him, hey, you have a 5,000 5, square foot home rented. You're going to rent it. I mean, you, you, you own it already. You almost paid off or whatever it was. And I said, use that one. Get the 1,500. And then you don't have to worry about maintenance at all in your life. You know? Make, capitalize, and use the money. Even invest it. No way. I mean, it was just like day and night. What I was proposing was like completely out of As question. As you're talking, I'm thinking that the banks, the mortgage companies, they sold us well. I mean, well, they didn't start doing now the reverse loan, the reverse yeah, but, mortgages. But, but, but really, you know, when you really think about it, that 30 year mortgage was for the banks. When it you is really for think the about banks. It, we still I mean, do but the it. average person, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know. But, you know, they, they, they sold us. Hey, you know, you want the lifestyle for your family. Now, it does bring some stability. You don't want sure. your kids moving all over the place if you don't have to move them all over the place. But it is really about spending that money every month and it's just going to your banks. Yeah. You know, I heard a joke the other day or not a joke. It was someone criticizing and it's like they said something like, oh, have you ever heard uh, someone from a previous generation saying your generation is better than mine? And and the answer is no. I mean, the the millennials say, uh, the or the Gen X say to the millennials, "Oh, back in the day, I used to do this, and this was the way." And then the baby boomers to the X Gen, it was more like, "Yeah, when I did, and I bought my first Ford, you know, and and everything is like back in the day was everything was better." And most likely the new generation, whatever it's called, the Z generation, they're going to say the same thing. Like, oh, I can't believe you live without this VR system, right? Instead of a smartphone. But, but the bottom line, I think that I see is that most people that are successful right now is there are people that are leveraging the other generation's learning curve. And I mean, look at the people, again, real estate being our topic today or in this podcast, but I mean, the, the people that's capitalizing that are baby boomers or Gen X is because they learn from what they did and they adapting to the new one. And uh, I don't see anyone um, saying, oh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna invest in the stock market and being in, in pink sheets in New York, right? I mean, they, they have to adapt. And um, I mean, hopefully people that are listening to us, if, if you're a baby boomer, right? I mean, tell us why would you do it or not? Right. I mean, what 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 is it that motivates still that that drive to invest? I think you hit it right on. If 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 I would if I would probably be 60, 65 and, and I have some money and some energy and I could work with somebody, I would be thinking, well, what do I leave my kids? A three hundred thousand dollar home or a three hundred dollar uh three hundred thousand dollar down payment on an apartment complex. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly. what I would think, right? right? Exactly. I mean, the $300,000 is going to bring a bunch of liabilities. goes back to real estate 101, right? Is your home a liability of an asset? 
Right. But I, I, I think it's also, you know, you, you, you could say that millennials aren't buying homes, which I think studies show that they aren't buying homes in numbers as did baby boomers. But you've got to look at what's happen, happening currently. You and I read an article. I sent you an article about, uh, I think, 14%. Pricing is up 14% homes in the suburbs. Yep. Okay, millennials weren't looking to buy a home in the suburbs. But with the interest rate being so low, <laughs> you know, and but here's the other thing. Rents, you know, dropped, I think, um, 7%. Okay, so if, if you can own a home in the suburbs and you've got a low interest rate, and you're paying the same thing you're paying on a, a rental. Hey, I really don't want to do it, but I'd be foolish right. not to at least explore it. Yeah. So I think what we didn't expect the pandemic. We've got the pandemic. Pricing is going up. Cost of, of lumber ha, or materials in general have gone up. Correct. And again, it's social media. Yeah, and I think I think there is another component that this this millennials that are were not thinking maybe on buying with the interest lows. The interest being that low, and also the fact that it's so much easier to rent. So maybe these people are thinking, well, I'll buy it and then Airbnb it, and then I'll go travel. Maybe I'm going to work uh, while I travel, right? All these millennials that are thinking they're going to go back and just work out of their laptops somewhere in the world. Well, that's fine. Then you're making some money. You left that there, pay that off, and basically leverage the interest on it. So... Jay, let's maybe let's do this, okay? So that we can settle some some of these ideas. What, what if we bring a baby boomer, established, retired, with a relatively uh, steady income as a retiree, and let's bring a millennial and let him let, let let's let's make them talk. Let's okay. see what they think. Sounds good. I mean, Sounds I can I, I can tell you all day long what I think about some somebody that is living a retirement life where I wasn't even part of their generation. Or the younger guys that are way, way ahead of me, uh, they think completely different or a lot faster too, and they, I can't even keep up. So, um, why don't we do that? Let's let's, let's, let's bring a couple that. of guys and then let them hear. I mean, what do they think? What did they did? Why not? Right? You asked me the other day, hey, what what are the the, the millennials investing on today? Right? <laughs> Everyone wants to do the GameStop deal. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> But why don't we do that? What do you think? I think that's a good idea. Let's have someone bring someone in and let's talk with them. And, and yeah, like you said, let's see if Baby Boomer will invest or if they're thinking, no, um, maybe I missed that boat. That's right. Well, I'm not going to commit until our producer proves it. <laughs> I don't want to put uh, our podcast at risk. But... Uh, well, I think I think for everyone listening, we're going to do our best, okay? <laughs> he is uh, Aldo Benavides. My name is Jay McLaughlin. You've been listening to The True Investment. Thank you.